everybody this morning? Good. How's the Christmas shopping coming? I hate Christmas shopping. I'm terrible at it. But I found out something really cool. I'm a good delegator. So, hey, hon, what are we getting for so-and-so? Awesome. Glad that worked out. Yeah, my wife is wonderful at shopping, and she loves to shop, which works out well for me. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, yeah, good luck to you guys on your, your uh, next couple weeks of craziness. Uh, I hate them all. <laughs> I hate them all. Yeah, amen. Yes. All right. Well, you guys ready to get into it today? All right. It's uh, funny that my, my message topic today is on the subject of joy. Yeah, and, and what's funny is I didn't even think that, uh, that we had like this, right, when, when I started working on this message uh, for, for today. And so I hope, hopefully as you're looking up here and you see signs everywhere of joy, you'll go throughout your week remembering God was saying something to you very big. And if you go to Lowe's, he'll remind you again. All right, Heavenly Father, we just come before you today and we acknowledge that we absolutely can do nothing without you. Apart from you, Jesus, we are lost and broken. And so, Jesus, today we come before you and we ask that you would do something in our soul that would resonate for an eternity, having its base in joy built on the relationship we have with you. Do something profound, God. Do a work where there's brokenness and hurting. Restore joy in life. In your name, amen. amen. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says this. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? About 10 years ago, my wife and I were, were in the garage. And back in the time, I, I had a 68 Mustang. It was all broke down and didn't run very well. But we were, we were in the garage and my car was there, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a car freak. I, I, I love cars, and, and I'm telling my wife, I started dreaming a little too much. You guys ever do that, right? The ladies are like, I see eyes rolling everywhere. I started dreaming a little bit too much about, about what I wanted to do to this car. I'm going to make it, put, put a great big motor in it and make it a race car. It's going to be super fast, and, and, and uh, you know, I was just daydreaming about this, and my wife's like, yeah, dear, uh-huh, that's nice, dear. How much is that going to cost, dear? And, and, and so I just got a little carried away, and I, I said, you know, one of these days, I'm going to get rid of this car, and I'm getting a Ferrari. <laughs> and she said, you know, you're a pastor. You're not going to afford a Ferrari. And I said, yeah, well, that might be true, but there's a guy on the Internet that traded a paperclip for a house. And I'm going to trade this and get a Ferrari. And she said, yes, dear. That's nice, dear. And I think she dismissed herself from that conversation. And sometime that week, though, I decided I'm up to a challenge. Get my Ferrari. And so sometime that week, I got on Craigslist, and I posted my car for trade. The big question, what would you give me for it? 
And over six years, I started trading cars and, and, and got to the point over six or seven trades, I traded that thing up to a Dodge Viper. <laughs> and within, within uh, over the course of a couple of years, I had several people that, that called me or emailed me and said, hey, I've got a, a Ferrari F-355, I'd love to trade you for your car. Well, the thing is, in the course of owning this car, I realized that Ferraris are stupid expensive to work on. Right? Oil change, 15,000 bucks. Right? Water, water heater. I mean, the, the parts are, are ridiculously expensive. Right? The cool thing about the car that I have is that it's made out of mostly junk parts from a lot of old Mopar throwaway cars like <laughs> vans. Right? You can get parts from the junkyard. It's fantastic. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The question that always comes up when I was a kid, I used to love to trade, right? And the thing that always comes up is, what would you give me for it? It's the question that's always asked, right? What would you give for this thing? And I believe that this passage is God speaking to our soul about the same thing. What would you give for something? Verse 30, 37, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give today for joy. What would you give to have hope? Hope in your marriage. What would you give to have peace in your relationship with your kids? What would you what would you give to have to have peace about your job, about your marriage? about your relationships, right? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing is worth more than that, is it? Nothing's worth more than that. I've spent a lot of time uh, in the last 18 years of ministry around people who, especially during this season, are broken and hurting and who would give anything in the world to have joy at Christmas to have peace, to have a season that isn't full of turmoil and problems and stuff of life just weighting them down. And here's the thing. God is the source. God is the source of all these things I'm talking about. Joy, hope, peace, life. He is the source. But here's the thing today I want to talk with you about. I believe that God wants to make a trade with you. God wants to trade something with you. And I think that you might be surprised today what it is that he wants from you. Let's take a look. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. This is, this is a, a, a self-titled book written by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before Christ. And he wrote concerning who the Messiah would be, what the Messiah would do. This is a mission statement for what Jesus would do when he came to redeem us. And listen to what he says here. He says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty 
to captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Anybody know somebody who is held captive or bound by unforgiveness? Anybody know anyone who is held captive or bound by addiction? By habits that are destroying their life? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To comfort all who mourn. Is that you today? Is there something broken in your heart where your soul is mourning and crying out? To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. So here's this exchange. Beauty for ashes. Where sometimes our lives and our circumstances seem like this burned heap. Where we could, if we could pick up our lives, it would just be dust blowing away in the wind and falling through our fingers. And the Bible tells us right here that God wants to make an exchange with us. He wants to take that burned down, broken thing and exchange it for something beautiful. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of you at one point in your life had a song resonating in your heart all the time? And I've known people like that, and it is, it is so awesome. They're, they wake up in the morning and got a song going, right? They're singing songs throughout the day. They, they go home, they still got a song going. They got a smile on their face because they know just something is awesome, Right? But there comes time in, in lives sometimes where heaviness begins to set in and those songs get pushed down, right? And that may be you. Maybe you're the person who at one point had a song resonating in your soul, right? The evidence of a work of the Lord. The Bible says when we walk with the Lord that, that an evidence would be us walking and singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts together, Right? A joy that's just welling up and filling us constantly and consistently. But for some, because of the busyness of life and the craziness of, of, of existence, that stuff gets pressed down. A heaviness begins to set in. And the Bible tells us that God wants to make an exchange with you, a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. Listen to this, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? What's God getting out of this? Right? When you make a trade with somebody, there's always that question of, what am I getting? And it tells us right here, that he may be glorified. What God wants out of this exchange is to be able to sign his signature to your broken life that has been healed and restored and renewed and say, yep, you're a signature series work. You're a signature series work. And for us to know, you know what? I could never heal my own life. That he would be glorified. He wants to make a trade with you. He wants to trade your brokenness, your hurt, your heaviness, your wounds your sleepless nights, your worrying about your son or daughter, your where am I going to get a job, your where does my provision come from. He wants to trade those things 
for something of life that his name would be glorified and that you would be blessed to the core. And what's it going to result in? Joy. Joy, not just a little bit. Overflowing. See, as we enter into this holiday season, I believe Jesus wants joy for your soul. And I believe it, for those who have not experienced it, that begins today. It absolutely begins today, and it begins with Jesus. How do we know Jesus wants to do this? The Bible tells us, John chapter 15, verse 1. I'm sorry, verse 11, we'll start there. It says, these things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So, what are the, so he says, these things I have spoken to you. What did he speak? Let's, let's look at it. John 15, we'll start in verse 4. As he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. Verse 5. Again, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And the end game, again in verse 11, that your joy may be full. He wants your joy to be full. We get hung up on this verse sometimes because it says we can ask anything in his name and, and, and he'll do it, right? When we're abiding in him, the things that we're asking aren't, God, I need a Lamborghini. God, I need a bigger house. God, I need more money, right? Those aren't the things that are burning down in our soul. It's the Lord, I need hope. Lord, I need peace. Lord, I need joy. Lord, I need something to resonate in my soul that's going to bring me joy like I've never had it. I need peace for my home and healing for my marriage and life for my kids, right? Those are the things that, that are resonating down in here that when we pray, when we're abiding in Christ, that the Heavenly Father says, yes, I'm in it. And he begins to bring something that you've never seen before. Like a wave sweeping in. Bringing hope, life, peace, and joy. Right? Because those are the abundance of the things that we really, really want to ask for. But we get stuck on the surfacey stuff like money and stupid garbage, don't we? The stuff that, that isn't... I mean, God sits up there going... Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then when he hears something about, God, I need healing for my marriage, huh? I think we, we hear this verse, um, abide in me, apart from me you can do nothing. And it's, it's almost like it's a suggestion, huh? Like, yeah, that, that sounds really good. Abide in him, because apart from him we can do nothing. Sounds good. But then we go try all this other stuff, right? We try finding joy, we try, trying to, try finding peace in, in 
things and shopping and in relationships and, and we find ourselves lacking, don't we? We find ourselves missing something because we're reminded that it wasn't just a suggestion when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That wasn't a, apart from me, you can do a lot of stuff, but if you go to church on Sundays, we'll kind of fill in the gaps. Right? It doesn't work that way. I've, I've had uh, ladies tell me over the last 18 years, several of them say, you know what, if I just had a baby, if I just had a baby, I would be full of joy. That would fill my life. And, and I, 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 I hated to, to tell them that no, <laughs> what, it, it won't give you, it'll, it'll give you some amount of joy, but it'll give you a whole lot of work, <laughs> right? Having children doesn't bring joy, it brings maturity. <laughs> brings a whole lot of joy too. But the, but the quick fix, if, if I just had this, I'd have joy. If I just had that, I'd have joy. If I just had these, these things, and, and how many of you know, this time of year especially, when we start getting stuff for Christmas, no matter what it is, no matter what you couldn't live without, by the time the next year comes around, that's the old model, right? Man, it didn't bring me as much joy as I thought it was going to. It's not in the stuff, it's in the abiding. The joy is in the abiding. So many in the church that I know are absolutely beyond our absolute doubt that are saved still remain feeling lost and hopeless and overcome by trials worn out and broken and bitter so many people that I know are absolutely born again serving in the church doing the work of ministry giving it a hundred percent but still feeling something lacking in the joy department now, I want to talk to another group real quick. Those who, who, who say, you know what, I, I'm abiding. I'm praying. I'm spending time investing in my relationship with the Lord. But yet, I'm bitter, and I'm broken, and I'm hurting. Why? I want to be very gentle on this subject, but I want to tell you this. When we abide with the Lord, when we walk in intimacy with Him, when we walk in this relationship, it's not just a one-way me communicating with God. He begins to speak to your soul. And there comes a point when, when we have to recognize that I am submitted to the God of all things in my heart. And there are going to be things that he will speak to you that you need to do. And sometimes there comes a place in our hearts where we do not yield to the will of the Heavenly Father as He would speak to you. And the Lord would, would pause and say, Son, daughter, I love you. Life is this direction. We need to move together. But I know people who have buried their feet down into the sand and said, God, I'm not going that direction. I am not doing that, God. And I believe the Lord would say, okay, we'll wait. We'll just wait. He's eternal. He will outweigh you. <laughs> I mean, I've waited for a long time on some things. And it's like he, he's still in the middle of a breath, right? Well, I'm getting worn out and aging. And the Lord would say to you today, 
trust me. Trust me. See, when we walk in obedience and in faith, out of intimacy, intimacy with the Lord, joy is there. Hope is there waiting again. Right? The just shall live by faith. Trust God. Maybe the thing is that the Lord's been saying to you is, well, it's probably not you here today, but maybe somebody listening. Go to church. Go to church. And you're saying, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going for nothing. And Jesus is saying, I'm waiting. I want to do something awesome. Maybe it's go see so-and-so. Maybe it's go and, go and, go and humble yourself somewhere, some way, right? Between you and the Lord, you know what it is. Go fix it. Revelation chapter 2 tells us this. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. That's Jesus walking amongst the churches. Right? The seven golden lampstands, the, the, the stars, those are the churches. It says this, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you can't bear evil, and that you've tested all these uh, false prophets and false apostles, and and you found them to be liars, verse 3, and you have preserved, or I'm sorry, persevered and had patience, and have labored for my namesake, and haven't become weary. See, this is Jesus talking to those in the church who have worked their fannies off doing the right and righteous thing, right? Serving with all their heart and and even to the point of serving and not growing weary in doing it when it's difficult and stretching. And he says this, nevertheless, I have this against you. This this can seem harsh, this, 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 I have this against you. How many of you know that in any intimate relationship, for example, especially with a spouse, a relationship is, is part of the, the thing with a relationship is to help us to grow, right? We speak into each other's lives. And the thing is with a marriage, you can't escape it, right? This, 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 your flaws tend to come out because the other person points them out to you. <laughs> and the next morning you wake up, they're still there. We are constantly confronted with the things in us that need to become more like Christ. And that is one of the awesome things about marriage. I am a completely different person than I would be if my wife hadn't spoken into my life and said, you know what, you're a bonehead. You got to figure this out. You need to go find Jesus, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I do. But that's what the Lord is doing here. He's, he's Talking to his church, his bride, intimately, here's a thing that we need to resolve. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the first works. What kind of first works? The works of intimacy. The works of intimacy. How many of you know that sometimes love can be work? Right? Intimacy can be work. For those of you who've been married for 20, 30 years and you think, man, I got to plan a date night. It's work, isn't it? Man, the creativity sometimes goes to the side when you get busy with life. But what's happening here is, is, is Jesus is saying to the church, renew that intimacy. Do the work of the intimacy. 
And how many of you know that work doesn't seem like as much work after a little bit, huh? Right? When you fall, when you fall in love again, it's not even work one bit. Right? I mean, it, it is absolute joy. Remember, therefore, from where you fall and repent and do, your first, do the first works, or else I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Why would he say that he would remove the church, a church from its place if they didn't go back and, and do those first things of love? Because how many of you know that everything that takes place here flows out of the intimacy here? Right? When we're nothing but, but doing a whole bunch of a working and, 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 and striving, we've completely missed it. Right? God would say, hold on, let's pause a minute. Let's get the intimacy back. Right? God wants to, wants to renew intimacy and wants us to come back to him and restore this intimate relationship with him because he knows out of that flows everything, flows joy, flows life. How many of you have kids that are picky eaters? Anybody? <laughs> Not me. All right. No, I, 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 kids can be such picky eaters, can't they? Right? Noodles with butter. Every meal. Have you ever had to tell your kids, you know what, son? This is, this is what, what I've made for dinner. This is what we have. There is nothing else. There are no other options. Right? I've, I've had conversations with my kids for breakfast. Right? I didn't have, I, I, we got a box of cereal for breakfast. And of course it's the one they don't like. Right? Why don't you eat the cereal? I don't like it. Well, it's all we have. I want, I want, I want Eggos with no butter and no syrup. No, you can have buttered noodles because that's way less weird than Eggos with no butter and syrup. But I've had to tell my kids before, look, this is, this is what we have to eat. This is what we have to eat. Listen, church, if we don't learn to eat the only spiritual food there is or ever will be, we are choosing to starve. God has given us intimacy with the Father as, as, as a means of sustaining our soul. How many of you know that, that your body tells you when you're hungry, doesn't it? Right? You get like the gurgly stomach. Some of you get like the hangry thing going on, right? Where you're just like, I'm angry, and I don't know why. You turn into a diva. Somebody bring you a Snickers. Yeah. But, but here's, here's the thing, though, right? Our, our soul tells us the same thing. When we start feeling like we're lacking joy, when we're lacking hope, when pressure begins to set in, that is a sign from our soul that I need to eat. The nutrients that God has given us as Christians is one thing. It is intimacy with the Father through Jesus. That's it. And we always think, but there's got to be something else. Maybe I can do some work in the church. I can... I can you know, I can do something. No, that's not where sustenance for your soul comes from. It comes from one source. It comes from relationship with God through Jesus. It comes through praying and talking with Him. 
What's this, this whole intimacy thing about? This is kind of a weird word to use in church because our culture takes this word and, and kind of skews it a little bit, right? Why can't we just be like friends or like acquaintances, right? It's a little less, less weird sounding, right? But intimacy is this. And I love the picture that's painted. I think it's in, in Exodus. It's, it's talking about Moses, his relationship with God. And it says that God talked with Moses the way a man talks with his friend. God spoke with with Moses the way that a man speaks to his friend. That's what God wants for you. To meet with you face to face. In your soul, in your heart. That may look like getting up a few minutes earlier to pray and just say, God, you know what? One of, one of my prayers lately, when when I feel like I don't know what to pray, I wake up every day and just, just say, you know what, God? I got nothing to offer today. And I can't do anything apart from you. Because I know his word says that apart from him, I can do nothing. And so I acknowledge that in prayer every morning. Lord, apart from you, I can't do anything. So let's start there. And if that's where it ends, then that's where it begins. Right? Intimacy can grow from there. When we just acknowledge, Lord, I need you today. Maybe it's, maybe it's going out in your car on your lunch break and, and grabbing a notebook in your Bible and sitting down for five minutes and just reading a, 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 a verse, a chapter, and writing down what stands out to you. The Lord will speak to you through that time. Three minutes of reading a verse, the Lord will change your day. Absolutely change it. Right? And it begins with intimacy with him. It's what your soul needs to thrive, and we will starve without it. I don't want that to sound harsh, but listen to me, church. We will starve our soul if we do not press in to the one thing he's given us to sustain our joy. And he wants to meet you there, and he's ready. He's waiting. See, finding salvation, um, but still feeling hopeless and joyless were common things even in the early church. Paul talks about it in Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read something real fast to you. Verse 6 of chapter 2 says, As you therefore have received Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in faith, as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. See, some 2,000 years ago, the word rooted meant something completely different than it does today. Oh, that's stupid, right? It doesn't. It means the same thing. It means the same thing, right? Rooted then is rooted now. We don't have to think too hard about what rooted means, do we? When a plant wants to get nutrients, it, shoot, it puts the roots down in the ground. We had this uh, great big windstorm uh, just last spring, I think it was, just leveled huge trees all around my house. I'm sure some of you guys had some trees on your property that went down. But here's the thing. I'm one of those people that likes to drive places where I'm not supposed to go. So when I see signs that say, do not enter, I'm like, hey, I wonder what's over there. My wife loves it. So I decided to go driving around and uh, 
saw all these trees, root balls that were like as tall as this this room, huge things. They all had something in common. You know what it was? The roots were like this deep. Right? In Washington, here's the thing. Trees don't have to work very hard to get water. They get lazy. They just shoot the, shoot the roots out to the side, and they don't even have to work at getting deep. Right? And what happens when, when wind comes? It just levels them. Sound familiar? Right? When we don't take the time to spend in intimacy with the Lord and allow our roots to go deep, when life comes, whew, man, it just knocks us over. That's why Paul says, he says, as you've therefore received Christ Jesus, now we've got to do something more. It's not adding to your salvation. It's putting foundation to it. And he says, be rooted. Built up and established in your face. But then he, then he adds to it in verse 8. He says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is head of all things. And the reason Paul said that is this, because sometimes we can question whether or not Jesus is really the answer. Maybe there's something else. Maybe I can find joy here. Maybe I can find joy over there. And Paul's reminding the church that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of Almighty God. And what he was saying to them was this, and the same thing I believe he would say to you this morning, that the same Almighty God God of gods, Lord of hosts, King of kings, who met with Moses on Mount Sinai when when he had a conversation with him. And God spoke to Moses and said, I am that I am. Essentially saying, I am everything you need. Breaking it down a little bit more, Moses, you're going to be wandering in a desert for the next 40 plus years, and uh, you're going to need a whole lot of stuff. So everything you need, I am. They woke up in the morning and something resembling honey popcorn was scattered everywhere every morning to feed them. Quail flew in when they needed meat. A rock gushed water. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you can get on the internet and see a picture of the rock water came from. It's a pillar standing in the desert with one side of it eroded where water came out of a crack. Because he can do anything in you. Because he's awesome. Abide. Right? Abide. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray this morning over anyone today, Lord, who's lacking joy. And Jesus, thank you that you have promised you want to make an exchange with us, our brokenness for your life, our hopelessness for your peace, your wounds, your bruises, your bleeding for our forgiveness, our restoration. If you're here today and you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, 
You've never known hope. You've never known joy. You've never known peace the way that I'm talking about it today. You need to know that it's found one place, and it's in, in the God, Jesus, the man, Jesus, the one and only King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who was crucified on a cross, died and rose from the grave, seen by over 500 witnesses who attested to, we saw him, he's alive, because he said, I'm God, I'm going to die for your sins, I'm going to rise from the dead to prove it, and then I'm going to come back and take you home with me one of these days. If you've never received Christ today, I want to give you the opportunity to receive forgiveness and receive joy, to make that trade. If that's you today, would you just slip your hand up in the air? I want to pray for you. Is anybody today that wants to make that trade to receive peace and joy in exchange for brokenness and wounds? I see your hand. God bless you. Your sins are forgiven and joy is coming. Anybody else? I see your hand. Praise Jesus, you were forgiven. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. So Lord, today as we go out of here, Lord, for those who have responded to salvation, Lord, I pray right now that you would release joy and release hope and you take the weight that they carry as they begin to walk in intimacy with you through prayer, through relationship. Jesus, thank you that you are transforming lives and hearts in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for all those today who who have come just just to be in your presence, Father, I pray your blessing over them your anointing over them, Lord Jesus, and that joy would begin to pour in in areas of life where there hasn't been, where it's just been dry for maybe a day or maybe years, who knows. But Lord, call us to intimacy. Lord, we want to return to that first love. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you are doing in our lives.